How are public media organisations becoming more environmentally sustainable and resilient? As publicly funded organisations, it's important they recognise their responsibility to be less carbon intensive. It all comes down to trust. As organisations reporting on the climate crisis, they need to be backing this up with meaningful actions to decarbonise. If the public media themselves don't have environmental measures in place, I don't think the message they send will be convincing. But it's an enormous challenge. Public media organisations have a large travel footprint, a large digital footprint, production emissions, building emissions. Plus, greening is a costly exercise, and public media don't necessarily have the biggest of budgets. So what are the steps organisations are taking to clean up their footprint? Meanwhile, at the coalface, public media organisations are already feeling the effects of climate change. It was knee-high water, touching the brim of the ground floor. All the cables were underwater, including the electric cables. So how does public media become resilient in the face of climate change? I'm Chloe Howcroft, and from the Public Media Alliance, this is Media Uncovered. In recent years, many public broadcasters have introduced goals, strategies and action plans to reduce their organisational carbon footprint. One organisation addressing their sustainability is NHK. My name is Tai Inui. I'm a member of the Environment and Energy Secretariat here at NHK, Japan Broadcasting Corporation. NHK is currently in the second year of its Environmental Management Action Plan, which includes measures to reduce its carbon emissions across the company. It is very important because it's a role of public service media organisations to provide accurate information. It also means that it is a role for them to deliver a message of the importance of the environment and other issues to the public through contents. But if the public media themselves don't have environmental measures in place, I don't think the message they send will be convincing. So I think promoting the delivery of content as a broadcaster and the fulfillment of responsibilities as a corporation are both important for us while matching words and deeds. You're in the second year of your environmental management action plan. How are you aiming to reduce your carbon emissions across the company in all 54 broadcasting stations across Japan? Carbon emissions converted from the, the energy amount NHK consumed throughout Japan for 2020 were more than 194,000 tonnes. Electricity is essential and accounted for more than 90%. For this reason, NHK makes it an important issue to control electric power consumption and taking such measures as stopping sending waves in late night during hours when broadcasting is suspended, developing and introducing energy-saving broadcasting equipment, and saving electricity in the workplaces as well. In the latest NHK Environmental Management Action Plan, NHK has made a statement that we aim to reduce carbon emissions by the amount equivalent to emissions by electric power consumption at the broadcasting center in Shibuya, Tokyo, which is equivalent to 25% of all electric consumption by the whole NHK by the end of fiscal 2025. This is actually the first time for NHK to aim at achieving the concrete numerical targets. In order to achieve the target, 
NHK has introduced solar power generation at the broadcasting center and some of the broadcasting stations around Japan. And at Shobu Kuki Radio Broadcasting Station, a mega solar system has been introduced. Other measures are, for example, considering introducing electric vehicles as cars for business use, reducing waste by further waste segregation, and by improving the recycling rate. In order to push the action plan forward, NHK launched a task force by younger staff last year. Can you explain to me a little bit more about how the task force was formed and about your activities? The task force, named Environment and Energy Task Force, was set up in July last year, mainly consisting of young people. In order to examine NHK's environmental management from various perspectives, I was one of the members, and we all come from different departments and branches with different professional backgrounds. The task force was launched in the belief that it would be more responsible project to encourage the current generation who will be working when the target year of 2050 arrives to think about creating their own working environment. So task force undertook two missions. One, to promote environmental awareness inside NHK, and two, to make recommendations on how NHK's environmental management should be like while conducting research on domestic and foreign companies and visiting leading companies. And what has the task force achieved so far? Task force has introduced renewable energy to some of the stations in Hokkaido, which is northern part of Japan. The electricity contract was switched to 100% renewable energy and costs were also reduced, which is great. And this is expected to reduce carbon emissions by 75 tons per year. Secondly, we have introduced an electric vehicle and efforts are currently being made to convert all necessary vehicles to electric ones. Another example is that we have introduced some water supply spots at the broadcasting center in Shibuya to reduce plastic waste. The last example, but of course not least, is that several measures were taken to raise awareness. We issued newsletters almost every week to provide information on environmental management and produced e-learning contents on climate change issues and NHK's environmental management. I strongly feel that it's necessary to set specific targets and policies as an organization so that all the departments and branches can make actions. Now NHK is moving forward and making progress. The thing is, the Environment and Energy Secretariat was newly established in July this year to take over the activities of the task force. It will act as the headquarter for NHK's environmental management in cooperation with various departments and branches. And I am also engaged as one of the members of it. As a starting member of the task force, how do you feel about the initiative? And can you tell me about any plans for the future? I think we are making progress, but there are so many things that we have to do. I would like to make sure that what we are telling on TV and radio and what we are doing as a corporation 
match the words and deeds, and make NHK an organization that everyone can work with pride. By putting this into practice, I think we will be able to communicate with confidence and convincing to our viewers. In order to achieve this, it is important that each and every NHK employee sees this as their own personal responsibility. I want to increase the number of people who can think about what they can do and act on their own initiatives to achieve the same goals. In addition, 108 Japanese media organizations, which are the members of the United Nations SDG Media Compact, will be working on the campaign named Promise of 1.5 Lili. The campaign will run from September to November, and media companies participating in the, this campaign will enhance public understanding of the reality of climate change through their contents. Furthermore, it is stated that these participating organizations are expected to set more ambitious organizational climate action efforts. We at NHK aim to reduce its environmental impact, and we will all work together to contribute to a sustainable society, both as a broadcaster and as a corporation. Thank you, Tai. Thank you very much. There are no illusions about how big an undertaking reducing carbon emissions is for such an enormous media company like NHK, over 10,000 staff with a presence in 31 countries. Yet, through their actions, public media organisations are trying to inspire audiences, as well as the wider media industry, to act more sustainably. But public media can be hamstrung in their efforts to do so. As a public broadcaster, we have a duty to create public value. Dr. Jens Müller heads Corporate Planning and Sustainability Coordination at Germany's second public broadcaster, ZDF. We should not only apply this standard to our content, in other words, what we produce, but also to the processes of media production, in other words, how we produce. ZDF's number one sustainability goal is, and I quote, ZDF aims for climate neutrality. Why only aim or strive? Well, because of the way we are financed by the public, we are not allowed to make climate offsets to compensate for greenhouse gas emissions for legal reasons. At the moment, however, I actually see this as an advantage. We are forced to become greener through our own efforts and not just rely on the fact that we can compensate by making payments. And as you know, Chloe, offsetting greenhouse gases has become a business model in its own right. From procurement decisions to staff mobility, ZDF has already made great progress in recent years towards becoming climate neutral. But there are complex trade-offs that the organisation is so often confronted with along the way. We are the first German television broadcaster to have been dealing very systematically with the issue of sustainability for many years. The buildings and studios at the ZDF Broadcasting Center in Mainz are already operated in a largely climate-neutral way through the use of green electricity and district heating. And the digitization of workflows has also shown positive effects on the economical use of resources in recent years. The know-how in the area of remote productions, i.e. the separation of production location and production technology, has been significantly expanded at ZTF. 
and uh, modern LED technology goes hand in hand with lower energy consumption. And new building projects are also being planned according to criteria of sustainable building standards. Sounds like a lot of achievements so far, Jens. Can you describe some of ZDF's other key sustainability goals along the whole supply chain? The ZDF value chain has only few complex supply chain structures. Purchasing and procurement management is of crucial importance for us. And that's where we place a lot of emphasis on the principle of sustainability. Always and everywhere we pay attention to the ecological footprint and consider it equally alongside cost aspects and aspects of efficiency. This year, sustainable procurement will be further intensified, having already developed a new guideline in this area. What are some of the key challenges that, that you've come across when it comes to transitioning towards becoming a more climate neutral public broadcaster? With current journalistic production in the news sector, it is perhaps a little more difficult to act in a climate neutral way. A flight has to be booked quickly where one would otherwise have taken the train. Or there's no green electricity at the location of the event. Maybe there's only a diesel generator available. On the other hand, remote production basically means less traveling. And what does decarbonize mean in terms of online distribution? If videos are watched in high resolution, this is more energy intensive. So perhaps we rather use SD than HD or 4K. With this last point, Jens has raised a huge challenge, the environmental impact of online services. The digital sector is incredibly carbon intensive. In France, it consumes about 10% of the country's electricity, accounting for 2.5% of all carbon emissions. It's obviously a problem for all online-based industries. But as public service broadcasters become ever more digitally focused, it is going to be a problem which they can't ignore. Les États-Unis sont revenus dans l'accord de Paris. Die Erde hat seit Beginn des Jahrhunderts etwa das zehnfache Spaniens an Grünfläche gewonnen. Les émissions de CO2. Enter NowU, a new mobile-first media platform developed by France Television in collaboration with the German regional broadcaster WDR. NowU seeks to raise environmental awareness amongst young people through its website and social media platforms. But what I'm interested in is how this new platform is embracing digital sustainability. So my name is Léane Gillet. My uh, job at France Télévision is that I'm a project manager for NowU. So you describe NowU as an eco-responsible brand and one that focuses on digital sobriety. What, what does that mean? So the idea is that uh, our website limits its carbon footprint as much as possible. There is two ways to do that. The first one is uh, the technical part of the development. So we try to reduce external uh, scripts. Our code is very light, it's compressed, and we use uh, carbon impact measurement tools to help us measure uh, the impact of the website and, uh, and adjust it. And also on the functional and uh, UX aspect of the product, as you can see on the website, uh, we have a few images and our images, they are uh, compressed and a little degraded. Also, the background of the, of the website is, is black. The idea behind it, it uses uh, less energy 
it's really actually depending on the device you use, but it can make a little difference. A uh, big point for us is that we don't have uh, videos on the, on the website. We have uh, some of it on the social media, obviously. And there is an, another aspect. We try to, to have an ethical approach of the marketing. We limit the data tracking. So we do not collect personal data. We just know uh, the evolution of uh, the traffic on the platform. We also do not use classical marketing tools such as Google Analytics or uh, Internet. We don't have newsletters. Uh, we don't have emailing program. Actually, you cannot log into an account on the website. That's not something we do uh, because it's, uh, it's really heavy. We, you don't have notification. So that's not something easy. We do that because we want to apply uh, to us what we say to our uh, audience today. I think you said there, Leah, that it's all quite easy, but actually it sounds like there's a lot of decision-making that went into developing Now Use website to make it as light as possible. I think it was uh, obvious when we developed uh, Now Use that uh, we couldn't be promoting solutions to deal with uh, the global warming and, and afterwards uh, make a very energy-consuming uh, website with videos and unnecessary features. It wouldn't have been uh, uh, logical and even uh, you know, greenwashing uh, for our uh, audience. So it wasn't simple, <laughs> but and it still isn't because uh, it demands uh, a lot of sacrifice to make. What sort of sacrifices have you had to make? Uh, well, built a, a website is difficult, but built an eco-responsible website, I think it's even more uh, difficult. It adds to the difficulty. So it requires expertise around uh, this green IT part. And today it's not a very well-known sector. And uh, so we need to find the, the right resources to, to do it. But also, it requires reinventing uh, a little the way you work. So uh, on the project part, there is uh, uh, stuff you need to take into account that you don't take into account on other projects. And you cannot do whatever you want. And actually, as we don't have, for instance, uh, tracking and we are not collecting personal data on the website, we don't know our user. And so... There is stuff you cannot do and you cannot analyze as well as on a, a, another uh, media. But I think it's, uh, it's really great because uh, that's how we need to work tomorrow on every project. We will need to have this sustainable issue, not only somewhere far in your roadmap, but it should be at the center. Now use key principles are to create content that informs, inspires, and acts. I'm interested to know, how does the Now You project fit into France Television's wider sustainability goals? It's a, it's a strong commitment for, for the group to, uh, to have a, an eco-responsible uh, media, and it's really a, a direction uh, that the group wants to, to keep and, and reinforce this uh, a corresponsible uh, dimension. So France Television is working on uh, 
several other uh, aspects uh, to be more uh, more sustainable. And there is uh, many uh, initiatives in, in the group. We have a lot of video content, obviously, because we are France Television. And so we try to uh, eco-produce uh, them. And uh, recently, uh, on the advertising part of France Television, they also integrated processes technology to limit or to at least monitor uh, the carbon impact of the ad- advertising on the distribution part or on the production parts. We also do a lot on the CSR department, and there is a lot of internal initiative. We do uh, events around uh, Sustainability Week, and of course, now you is present on this uh, event, and we try to engage collaborators on every aspect of, of sustainability. Finally, for instance, also on the programmation part, on, on TV or even on, on digital, the idea is to... Uh, that the treatment of the ecology and the environment subject is more and more present on the programs. And there is more and more uh, subject related to ecology and global warming. We'll be celebrating this whole pilot project's uh, first year anniversary very soon. It's coming up. What would you say have been Now You's biggest successes so far? And how are you measuring success? Even launching the website was uh, was a success because we launched it in the September 2021. But uh, before there was like I think more of a year of work to build the brand, build the website. I will say also uh, we made a big launch campaign uh, so in November around the COP26. Meantime, our journalists went to the COP26 uh, by train. That's something we we recorded, and uh, it was uh, it was quite uh, quite fun. We also uh, were able to be interviewed on a lot of programs. Our launch on the TikTok was a great success, also really quick. We had a lot of followers, and we really are engaging people on TikTok, so we are very happy about it. We also made an event, physical event in Paris in April where our community could join us around the talks. We also uh, launched a week of challenges, which was uh, really cool. Uh, We named it Your Planet, Your Challenge. An important success also is that we had the price. We we had the creativity uh, reward. We also made a lot of evolution on the the product part to to be more user-friendly. So uh, the offer is constantly evolving following what our user says and, uh, and also uh, following uh, uh, new ideas of the team. Where do you see Now You going in its second year and hopefully for future years? We want to engage more and more with our audience to create a strong community and to make them engage a lot more with us. And uh, the, the best thing we could do is, is to really uh, be able to measure if they act after being on, on Now You and after uh, coming back again and again on the website, if, uh, if they actually uh, get inspired and get moving. That's uh, what we, we really want to know. But in some parts of the world, broadcasters are already having to adapt to the realities of climate change. Bangladesh is vulnerable to climate change for its slow-lying 
topography and disadvantageous geographical location. Bangladesh may lose 11% of its land if sea level rise by 50 centimeter by 2050. Some part of our country... Mohammed Arif Islam is the director of Bangladesh Bhutan's headquarters. Bangladesh's national radio broadcaster has sustainability goals of its own. But with Bangladesh expected to endure a torrent of climate-related weather events in the near future, the organisation needs to balance these with becoming more resilient in the face of disasters and able to communicate the critical life-saving public service information audiences depend on. In June this year, one of Bangladesh Bhutan's regional newsrooms was inundated by flash floods and forced off-air for 24 hours. Bangladesh better seal it, or had no exception. Flood water entered into their premises. It was knee-high water touching the beam of the ground floor. Pathway between generator room and the office building were submerged. All the cables were under water, including the electric cables. There were threats of being electrocuted. Our staffs dared not to move through the water without urgent need. So how did they respond? And how are they now trying to create a more resilient organisation equipped to deal with such threats? It's unfortunate to stop transmission when people needed it most. But we have a strong transmission system that is conducted from Dhaka that we call NBH, National Broadcasting House. That has a coverage of whole area, the whole of the Bangladesh. Whenever some regional station fail, we take over. We transmit program from Dhaka NBH. The people of Silate, they could hear the program broadcast by the NBH. The transmission resumed next day at the same time. The effects of climate change are predicted to worsen in, in the next few decades with an increase in temperature and annual rainfall. How is Bangladesh Bhutan managing to continue operating in these types of conditions? And what are you doing to try and mitigate the challenges of climate change? I suppose we are resilient despite having some sort of vulnerability that happened on some occasions. For protecting our infrastructure, we, we have already taken some measures, like we are constructing guard wall around our premises so that rainwater cannot enter into the premises easily. We have also erected guard wall around the tower so that it cannot be destroyed during any catastrophe. And we, we are trying to safeguard the places uh, where the antenna is standing. When a site is selected for a regional station, we are very careful. We preferably, preferably uh, choose high grounds so that the flooding or the cyclone or the earthquake cannot easily have its effects on the uh, regional station site. For power supply, we are arranging generator so that it can work when the national grid fails. And uh, for the staff safety, we are very careful about our staff. In the time of disaster, Whenever we want to send some stuff for covering uh, events, we, we use our 
own cars and safety gears so that they do not fall into the calamity themselves. We advise them to ensure safety first for themselves, then cover the event. Another important thing is that we have foreign regional situation all over the country, which broadcast programs emphasizing on local issue in local dialects. We have NBH, which is operated from Dhaka, a safe place. So we are not totally disconnected from our listeners at any time. Public media organizations are going to great lengths to improving their sustainability and resilience against intensifying climate change. Many are looking to include young employees in this process who are pushing organizations to be more ambitious in its decarbonization and holding them to account. What's more, many are taking a multifaceted, multi-stakeholder approach to meet their climate pledges. Yet challenges do remain. Logistical, financial, technological, not to mention many public media organizations are based in areas on the front line, facing the dual challenge of trying to carry out their public service duty to inform citizens about the climate crisis while being directly and physically impacted by extreme weather events. But ultimately, this is an obligation. For the present and the future, public service media organizations must be resilient, must be sustainable. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Media Uncovered. And special thanks to Tai Inui, Dr. Jens Muller, Leah Nogier and Mohamed Arif Islam for speaking to me. This discussion is going to be continuing at the Public Broadcasters International Conference in Tokyo this November, hosted by NHK, where there will be a specific session on the sustainability policies of public media organisations. Information about this will be made available via the PBI and PMA websites. Thanks to Tom Brazier, Lucas Thompson and Rachel Still for the music. As ever, if you've enjoyed listening, please rate and subscribe to the podcast and share widely with friends, family and colleagues. You can follow us on Twitter at Public Media PMA and Facebook or LinkedIn at the Public Media Alliance.